Uh, Kevin leads uh, Forestbrook Community Church, which is the building in which we get to do church. So, so our relationships, uh, you know, our relationship runs deep because we pray mm-hmm. together once a month. Um, but also because of their generosity and you know allowing us to to make use of this uh, this downstairs basement sanctuary, um, and I have so loved getting to know Kevin over the seven years that I've been here uh, in Canada, seven and a little bit years. He's been a real ally, uh, just a partner in the gospel. Um, it's so wonderful. I've learned so much from from Kevin as I've just watched him do ministry and love and and lead people, and even just how he is with the group of ministers in our area. Uh, really love you dearly i'm so thankful for uh, our friendship and and i can't believe it's taken this yeah. long for you to be a guest speaker at city gates a bit embarrassing but uh it's all good Thanks. so kevin uh you know the floor is yours our hearts are open and uh, you can pray for yourself i know you're yeah. pretty good at that you know okay so Thanks, love you bro thank you thanks Vic. hello everyone hello. welcome to forest brook <laughs> I know, no, no, I, I, I am in your house tonight, but I wanted to just say, uh, as a way of, of just saying hello, uh, on behalf of the elders and our leadership team at Forestbrook Community Church, we are so thrilled that uh, God's family from City Gates uh, is, using, is using this space. And we want to bless you. We want to, we want to see you prosper. We want to see God richly bless the work that you're doing. We believe in you. We believe in what you're doing. Uh, you are brothers and sisters in Christ, and we are so, so thrilled. So I just wanted to pass on their blessing to all of you um, because it's just such a... And, and, and to Vic's point, it's, it's kind of crazy when we think about the fact that we've been in this area. Uh, we've been in this building for 17 years, and... Um, uh, having more Christian you know, families be part of this building and part of the use of this building is, uh, is something that we should have kind of uh, thought of a long, long time ago or really gotten involved in uh, much longer, in, you know, earlier on than, than we are now. But we're really excited to have uh, City Gates here. And um, when we... I've been at Forest Brook for 20 years and been blessed to be at the senior pastor for the last five I was executive pastor before that. And when I came on to, to Forestbrook, uh, when I came, we were just in a building project where we were building this building. So one of the things that I did was, was as the staff member, I was responsible for managing the building project. And when we finished the building and we were ready to move in uh, as a congregation, I, I will always remember when we met with the elders and we were talking about how we wanted the building to be used. And it's always been our heart that uh, we are a church in community for the community. And, and being part of this community and being a, a participant in this community was always really, really significant uh, and important to us as part of our mission uh, as a church. And one of the elders said, let's, let's make the building as accessible and open to people in this community as we possibly can. And he said, let's remember that we haven't built a monument to God. We've built a tool for ministry. And I've never forgotten that. The building, you know, this building is here to be used. It's here to be used for ministry. It's here to be used for the kingdom. It's here to be used for the sake of the gospel and to the glory of our Lord Jesus Christ. And so we are thrilled that you have found a use uh, for yourselves and for the kingdom and for the work that you're doing. And we just want to see that increase. So anything that we can do to kind of help along the way uh, we uh, we want to do that. 
And so, uh, so welcome. And thank you for welcoming us, Shirley and Chelsea and, and me, into your, into your space this evening and the opportunity that we have uh, to share with you together. Uh, let's pray together, and uh, then we'll crack open the Word of God and, and hear some things from there, shall we? Our Father, you are our Father. And we are so grateful for that. We are so grateful to be your children. And we know that that is because of the work of Jesus, our elder brother, our Lord, and our King. We worship you, Lord Jesus. We ask and invite and welcome you, Holy Spirit. Thank you for being here in our worship and in our hearts and within us and among us. And now as we open the word, we ask that you would cause it to come to life in our hearing. We ask that the things that you would have us know would be the things that we hear. And so we, we pray, Lord, for your blessing upon our time together in your word. We pray that it would be something that would be encouraging and meaningful and thought-provoking and even challenging. Lord, that from this time in your word, we would be exercised as your disciples for the mission that we've been called to be a part of. Lord, we ask for your blessing. We know that you are with us and we're so grateful. And we pray in Jesus' name, amen. So Vic asked me, um, when I asked, I said, what, should I, what do you want me to talk about? What do you want me to preach about when I, when I come? Um, and I knew that you guys were doing a series, and I said, are you still doing your series one? Do you want me to take like, a book of the Bible and, and do your thing? And he said, no, no, he said, well, no, we're, you can preach about whatever you want, right? And he said, kind of think of a, a best of series and, uh, and kind of give us your, your best of. So I, I, I've been at this for a few years. So I cracked open my, my files and I started to come through or thumb through and I actually was arrested by this image. Uh, there should be a graphic there that pops up, yeah. And, and I stopped, it was actually part of a, a PowerPoint slide that I used when I was giving a sermon on choices. Long, long time ago. But it was the image that captured me and stopped me and I looked at that and I said, yeah, yeah, let's talk about that. Because I think the image for me kind of represents this kairos moment. And, li and life, and when I was talking, in the message originally when I was talking about choices, I was talking about how, how life, you know, it unfolds chronologically, but it also is punctuated with these kairos moments. These moments where, you, where you're faced with something, where you actually have to make a choice, make a decision that's going to move your life in one direction or another. And often those choices are kind of irreversible. Right? But we don't, we don't need to fear those moments. We actually need to embrace them. And there is a way that we can embrace them that actually keeps us moving in the direction that we wanted to move. And so I wanted to talk a little bit about that. And this picture, as I thought about this picture, I'm not going to give you that sermon, but I, I, I use this picture as a bit of inspiration to kind of come to God and say, God, aren't, aren't we in a Kairos moment right now? Our whole, your whole church, your whole world right now is in a Kairos moment. And so it led me to this question for us to think about today. The world is changing. How are you, how are we changing with it? That's what we're going to talk about today. The world is changing. How are you, how are we changing with it? How will we change with it? This is a season of change for all of us. And these changes are not small. We're going to talk about a couple of them just for a couple of seconds here. Um, these are not small changes in our world. 
uh, I am 62 years old, so I am a, a young baby boomer. And the thing that's happening, one of the things that's happening in our world is our generation is gradually passing off of the scene. So there's a generational shift. And we already know, if you follow any kind of demographics, that millennials and Gen Z are a different kettle of fish from baby boomers and, and builders who've come before them. So the world is changing just through demographics over the next 25 years. The world is going to change significantly as new leadership, young, which we consider younger, right, from our perspective, but it's just a generational thing. But it's a big shift that's on the horizon. It's happening already, actually. Um, so it's a season of change, and these are potentially significant change, changes, world-changing. We were talking about this in our staff the other day, and, and one of our staff members said, he said, boy, he said, there's just a lot vying for our mental real estate right now. There's just a lot going on in our world and in the church and in our lives that's kind of competing for, for our attention and for time. We're anxious about a lot of things. And we're not, it's not wrong for us to be that way. Let's take a look at some of these. What are some of the examples that I'm talking about? How is our world changing? I'm a news hound, right? And so I've always been kind of into the news and current events and what's going on and tracking those kinds of things. And our world is changing geopolitically and in a major way. Since the Second World War, really the liberal Western democracies have been kind of you know, in the ascending, and especially with the fall of the Soviet Union in the late 1980s. And so for many, in, for, you know, for many people in our world, uh, in many of our, our governments, this idea that the world was going to get progressively liberal and progressively democrat democratic has been entrenched for the last 10 to 15 years. That's gone. That's gone. With the invasion of Ukraine... That has completely shifted. The pandemic, of course, had a big part to, that, to, to play in, in that as well. But, but what's emerging now, many experts are saying, is, is either some, is some kind of a bipolar world or a world which is multipolar. And when we look at what's happening, when we look at how the Western liberal democracies are kind of coming together you know, because of the Ukraine situation, and then we look at what's happening on the other side of the equation, what's happening with, with Russia now seeking out new alliances and new trade uh, or you know, relationships with China, with North Korea, with, the, with, the, with the more of the authoritarian states, what, what the pundits are saying is we're actually seeing two systems, these systems that were always there coexisting, but kind of the world was being led by the Western liberal democracies, not anymore. That now is dividing into two kinds of systems in our world and possibly could even migrate into more than that. Even if the war in Ukraine was to end today, the relationship with Russia and the West will never be the same. That world is gone. It's a new world. And, it's, and we, ha we have no idea what it's going to look like or how it's going to impact us. The world is changing environmentally. Now, whether we're... I'm, I'm not here to talk about you know, climate change and whether you know, some people you know, are, are climate change... You know, enthusiasts, others are saying they're, you know, it's not so, ha that's not my point. My point, I, I'm not trying to kind of get on that bandwagon one way or the other. 
But what I think all of us can say is that weather is getting pretty weird. Weather is getting pretty weird, right? Our world is getting hotter. Now, whether that's cyclical and it's just part of the natural state of the world and you know, sooner or later there'll be another ice age, who knows? I, I don't know how God's creation works. I'm not a scientist. I don't, I don't understand all of that stuff. But what I do understand is that our world is warming and our climate is changing. And we all know, if we follow any of that at all, that, that it's, it's you know, parts of the third world that are going to be the most impacted by rising temperatures and rising sea levels. We don't know what that's going to look like ultimately. We don't know how that's going to impact us. We know that you know, we can have some crazy storms here. That um, We had the storm in May that blew through here and, and um, just out of the blue, there's just massive windstorm that just you know, kind of brought down trees and all kinds of things. And that kind of thing seems to be happening more and more. The world is changing economically. You and I are living at a time right now where inflation is the highest that it's been, right, in what? They, what are they saying? 40 years? 40 years? Um, we're looking at a season, you know, we've enjoyed really, if you think about it, we've enjoyed a season, almost a decade, of kind of low interest rates and, and you know, kind of slow economic growth. But there's been this sense that, you know, yeah, there's, there's always the natural ups and downs, but things, you know, have gradually kind of been imp- improving. And suddenly we have this massive shift that's taking place very, very quickly. And again, we don't know what the effect of that is going to be. How is that going to impact us? How is that going to change our world? Just think of the new debt ceilings that are global now. Because of the pandemic, right, governments all around the world had to buy their way out of the pandemic. And they bought it with money that they don't have. They bought it with borrowed money. And instead of having, you know, you know debts of, of, you know, $400 billion, let's say, a national government, now they have debts of trillions of dollars. And none of us know what that means. None of us know what that looks like five years from now, 10 years from now, 15 years from now. All we know is that there was a massive change that happened quite abruptly and quite quickly, which is going to have an impact. Are we on the verge of a new recession? What is going to happen economically? And our world is changing religiously. In the church, in Christianity, if we look at Christianity, you know, uh, in, especially in North America over the last few years, there's been a huge shift taking place in Christianity. Politics has entered in, right? You've got churches, you have churches divided, you have, you have communities divided, you have, you have nations divided all within the body of Christ where we're supposed to you know, have, have unity and, and all these other kinds of things. Now we, have, we don't just have differences anymore between historic and traditional understandings of Christianity and progressive understandings of Christianity. Now we've got them turned on each other and wanting to excommunicate one another. That's a big shift. People are, are being challenged and almost forced to choose a camp. How is that going to impact the church? How is that going to impact us in the future? We are living in times where there are seismic changes taking place. 
in our world. And it is impossible to tell how these factors are going to reshape the world that you and I are going to live in for the next 25 years. We can't tell. So how do we deal with that? How do we process that? I want to begin with my conclusion. By the way, we're well into the message. I don't think that was the introduction. But <clears throat> I know Vic, I asked Vic, I said, how long can I preach for? We in Forestbrook, we're usually 20, 25 minutes. And he said, oh, no, he says, we're about 30, 35, but you can go for as long as you want. So here we go. <laughs> I want you to know, by the way, when I, I started out in ministry 35 years ago, and in the, first, in the church where I first started preaching, sermons were an hour and 15 minutes, right? Out of a two-hour two service. So I can be long-winded, but I'll try not to be. Um, but I want to begin with the conclusion. Here's the good news. John 16, 33, right? Jesus said, in this world you will have trouble, but, be, but take heart, I have overcome the world. There you go. That's the short answer. That's the short answer. There's no surprise here. It's no surprise that the world is messed up. It's no surprise that in the world there is trouble. And there will be trouble. And some of that trouble is going to impact us. That's not a shocker. Right? We should expect that. But Jesus says, but take heart. Because I have overcome the world. So the end is assured. We already know that Jesus wins. We already know that we win. We already know that the kingdom wins. We already know that nothing, nothing, nothing can interrupt the flow of God's kingdom advancing until he returns. Right? The end is assured. So, why do we need to pay attention to this? Well, if we take a deeper look at that whole discourse where Jesus says that in John 16, and verse 30, or John 16 and verse 33, we get some really great insights and some really helpful things for how you and I should be processing the times that we're living in right now as we look to the future. The discourse comes actually as a unit from John 15 verse 18 through John 16 and verse 33. Um, and I want to read the whole thing. And I'm just going to ask you to listen to it in a second here. But let me give you the context. This is Jesus speaking to his disciples in the upper room. So it's, it's on the night of the Passover, on the night that he was betrayed. He's only hours away from them going into the garden and him being betrayed. And he has all of these amazing things to say. It's after the foot washing in John 13. And then he's, you know, he's, he's talking to them. And, and there is this, this incredible dichotomy in what Jesus says to his disciples as he's pouring his heart out to them in the final hours he has with them before his death. Now, they don't know that yet. But he's pouring his heart out to them. That's why these verses are so, so impactful for us today. We know the context when he's doing this. He tells them that they're going to have greater intimacy with the Father. He tells them that this, there's a comforter coming, a Holy Spirit. He tells them that, that whatever they ask for in prayer in His name, the Father will do. They will receive it. He tells them that they're going to do even greater things than He did in their ministries. But there's a darker side too. Because He also tells them that he's going away. He tells them that he's going to be betrayed. That he's leaving. He tells them that they're going to be hated 
and persecuted. And he tells them that they're going to weep and mourn and grieve. Let's read the whole discourse. And as you listen to it, see if you can pick up the dichotomy in what Jesus is saying. It weaves back and forth. Beginning in verse 18 of John 15. If the world hates you, keep in mind that it hated me first. If you belong to the world, it would love you as its own. As it is, you don't belong to the world, but I have chosen you out of the world. This is why the world hates you. Remember the words I spoke to you, no servant is greater than his master. If they persecuted me, they will persecute you also. If they obeyed my teaching, they will obey yours too. They will treat you this way because of my name, for they do not know the one who sent me. If I hadn't come and spoken to them, they would not be guilty of sin. Now, however, they have no excuse for their sin. He who hates me hates my father as well. If I had not done among them what no one else did, they would not be guilty of sin. But now they've seen these miracles, and yet they have hated both me and my father. But this is to fulfill what is written in their law. They hated me without reason. When the counselor comes, whom I will send to you from the Father, the Spirit of truth, who goes out from the Father, he will testify about me. And you also must testify, for you have been with me from the beginning. All this I have told you so that we will not go astray. They will put you out of the synagogue. In fact, the time is coming when anyone who kills you will think he is offering a service to God. They will, not, they will do such things because they have not known the Father or me. I have told you this, so that when the time comes, you will remember that I warned you. I didn't tell you this at first because I was with you. Now I'm going to him who sent me, yet none of you is asking, where are you going? Because I've said these things, you are filled with grief. But I tell you the truth, it's for your good that I'm going away. Unless I go away, the counselor will not come to you. But if I go, I will send him to you. When he comes, he'll convict the world of guilt in regard to sin and righteousness and judgment, in regard to sin because men don't believe in me, in regard to righteousness because I'm going to the Father where you can see me no longer, and in regard to judgment because the prince of this world now stands condemned. If I, ha I have more to say to you, much more, more than you can now bear. But when he, the spirit of truth, comes, he will guide you on, into all truth. He will not speak on his own. He'll speak only what he hears and he will tell you what is yet to come. He will bring glory to me by taking from what is mine and making it known to you. All that belongs to the Father is mine. That is why I said the Spirit will take from what is mine and make it known to you. In a little while, you will see me no more and then after a little while, you will see me. Some of the disciples said to one another, what does he mean? by saying in a little while you will see me no more and then after a little while you will see me. And because I'm going to the Father, they kept asking, what does he mean a little while? We don't understand what he's saying. Jesus saw that they wanted to ask him about this and so he said to them, are you asking one another what I mean when I said in a little while you will see me no more and then after a little while you will see me? I tell you the truth, you will weep and mourn while the world rejoices. You will grieve, but your grief will turn to joy. A woman giving birth to a child has pain because her time has come.
But when her baby is born, she forgets the anguish because of her joy that a child is born into the world. So with you. Now is your time of grief. But I will see you again, and you will rejoice, and no one will take away your joy. In that day you will no longer ask me anything. I tell you the truth, my Father will give you whatever you ask in my name. Until now you've not asked for anything in my name. Ask and you will receive, and your joy will be complete. Though I've been speaking figuratively, a time is coming when I will no longer use this kind of language, but will tell you plainly about my Father. In that day you will ask in my name. I'm not saying that I will ask the Father on your behalf. No, the Father himself loves you because you have loved me and have believed that I came from God. I came from the Father and entered the world. Now I am leaving the world and going back to the Father. Then Jesus' disciples said, Now you're speaking directly, clearly, and without figures of speech. Now we can see that you, will know all, that you know all things and that you do not even need to have anyone ask you questions. This makes us believe that you came from God. You believe at last, Jesus answered. But a time is coming and has now come when you will be scattered, each to his own home. You will leave me all alone, yet I am not alone, for my Father is with me. I have told you these things so that in me you may have peace. In this world, you will have trouble. But take heart, I have overcome the world. Isn't that amazing? Isn't that amazing? You know, so often, and I, I, I'm not, I can't speak for you guys, but you know, in, in our tradition and me, so often we're, we're looking at, at verses here and verses there, and we're, we're kind of, you know, we have these verses that we, that we use. And sometimes to just take a big chunk of the scripture and understand that verse in its context uh, can, be, can be humbling and enlightening. Did you, did you hear the, the back and forth? Did you hear the, did you hear the promise and the, and the hopefulness and the sorrow and the sadness intermingled, mixed in together? Right? The disciples had no idea what Jesus was talking about. They were just hours away from experiencing the worst 48 hours of their lives. Within a few hours of hearing these words, they would witness Jesus be arrested, go through a mock trial, be crucified, and buried in a tomb. And then they would spend a whole day without him. Think about that. All their hopes dashed. Everything that they had invested their lives in for years gone and nothing left but fear anxiety and wondering what it was all for that's the world they were about to enter into they were about to be thrust into that's how much change was afoot in this moment when Jesus saying these words here's the key to what Jesus is saying in all of this. It's actually the first four verses of chapter 16. These will come up on the screen. Here's what Jesus was saying to them in all of this. He was laying out how their world was going to change because both things were going to be true. (laughs) Both of these were going to come true. But here's what he said. All of this I've told you so that you will not go astray. 
And that word in the Greek, to not go astray, means so that you won't stumble, so that you won't, you won't be blindsided, you won't stagger because of it. He's saying, look, at, this is what's going to happen, but I'm telling you about it ahead of time so that when it does happen, you won't get knocked off course. You'll stay the course. Bad stuff is going to happen. Expect it. Don't be surprised by it. And when it comes, stay the course. Don't get knocked off track. Because there's all this other good stuff that's going to come out of it as well. He says, they'll put you out of the synagogue. In fact, a time is coming when anyone who kills you will think he is offering a service to God. Persecution and martyrdom was going to be their lot. Right? We know that. We know from, from history that, that virtually every one of them would be martyred in their service to the kingdom. Here's what he says. They will do such things because they have not known the Father or me. I have told you this so that when the time comes, you will remember that I warned you. Jesus told them what to expect. He said, I warned you so you would be prepared, so you wouldn't be shocked, so you wouldn't be knocked off course, so your faith wouldn't fail. Why is the world, going to be, why is the world so messed up? Always has been, always will be, until the kingdom comes in its fullness? Because the world still is filled with people who don't know the Father or Jesus. Right? I read somewhere that somebody said, you know, one, one, of the, one of the silliest things for us to think is that people who are not Christian, that they can act Christianly. Right? It takes, it takes you know, the Holy Spirit. And it, it takes, it takes a, a salvation with Jesus for transformation to be able to really happen in a person's life and for a person to live sacrificially and transformed the way Jesus is calling us to live. And for people who have not had that experience, who don't know the Father and don't know Jesus, that's just asking too much. The world is still in darkness. The world is still under the influence of a terrible, evil dominator. It still is. And so in the world, there will always be trouble for Christ followers. It may not look like persecution and martyrdom like it looked for them, but it won't be easy. It's not an easy path. It's a troublesome path. It's a path where there are some challenges ahead. And Jesus says, I want you to know that so that when it happens, you won't be shocked, you won't be staggered, you won't be knocked off course. That's what this is all about. And that's why he says, in the world, you can have you're going to have trouble, but take heart. I've overcome the world. That leads to, his, to the conclusion. I just read that. He says this, and this is the full verse 33. He says, I have told you these things. This is how he ends this discourse. Everything that he said, he says, I have told you these things so that in me you may have peace. Where does the peace come from? The fact that the world is troubled, the fact that we're entering into a world, a new world, a changed world that is somewhat scary and we're certainly unsure of what it's going to look like and what it's going to portend for all of us. But Jesus says, okay, don't be surprised by that. In me, you have peace. 
In me you have peace. Troubles in our lives, troubles in our world, troubles in our churches always do one of two things. They always challenge our faith. But we have one of two outcomes for that. They can lead us to doubt and even to falling away. Or it can turn us back to Jesus. It can turn our hearts back to Him. You know, troubles, difficulties, challenges have always been a proving ground for Christ's followers. And I don't mean a proving ground in, in, in the sort of saying, well, let's see who wins and you know, who's got it and who doesn't. I'm not, that's not what I'm talking about. I'm, a proving ground is a, is a testing ground. It's a growing ground. It's a ground, you know, when our faith is tested, it's not God looking to say, let's see what, let's see what Brian is made of. He already knows what Brian is made of. He knows Brian's heart better than Brian does. When trials come, it's so that Brian can see what he's made of. Right? So that Brian can say, okay, am I going to turn to Jesus or am I going to turn away from Jesus? Look at the pandemic. Look what's happened to our churches through the pandemic. And again, I'm not passing judgment on anyone. But one of the things that they've said about the pandemic is that it, it accelerated and it illuminated all of the cracks and fissures and, and problems that we had in our churches all along. But they were just glossed over and covered up right, by our success, our prosperity, the fact that things were going well. But when things weren't going well, people had to make choices. Right? People had to make choices. And sadly, I know this from our own experience at Forestbrook, some people have turned away from the church, certainly, and even away from their faith because of the pandemic. Jesus said, look, don't be surprised. Don't be shocked. The world is a dark place. There are times of troubles in our world. He said, but don't get knocked off course. Remember I told you to expect this. Remember all the good stuff that's happening. Remember the Holy Spirit. Remember the fact that, that you can still ask the Father for anything and He will do it. Remember that we're building a kingdom. Remember that as He's saying this to His disciples, embedded in this is He's saying, the Holy Spirit is going to testify and you must testify. So no matter what's happening in our world, we as Christ followers are still told that we have to go into that world and tell the story of Jesus. And, and give people our understanding of what's happening. Here's how we can make sense. There are so, so many people wondering what the heck is going on in our world right now. You and I can find peace in Jesus. We can also lead them to peace in Jesus. Right? He makes sense of all of it. In Him we have peace. When the world gets troublesome, and it will, we turn to Jesus. We draw closer to Him. We turn our hearts to Him. Ours is not a fair-weather faith. Never has been, never can be. It is not a fair-weather faith. The troubles of this world do not define us as Jesus' followers. I love this in this passage, right? Jesus said, I've told you these things so that in me you may have peace. In the world you will have trouble. That doesn't define us as Jesus' followers. The next word does, but, but. In the world you'll have trouble, but 
I've given you something more. I've given you something different. I've given you a way of coping with that and rising above it and passing through it. That's what defines us as Christ followers. So it leads me back to our original question. The world is changing. How will you and I change with it? Because change we will, and change we must. The world needs the church now as much as it ever has. And you and I are that church. Forestbrook, City Gates, all of the other churches in our area, um, this is our mission field. That's why we meet as pastors and pray and continue to do that. Um, because the job is bigger than any one of our our faith communities. But the world needs the church. That's why God has made us and why he sends us. So you know what? I think one of the ways, certainly we've been talking about this in our leadership team, one of the ways that we think that God is calling his church in our area to weather the storm that is at hand and is coming is just like this. By us sharing with you what we have, right? And saying, hey, come, use it. Do, do your ministries here and through it. And the more that we come together as one people and work together, we can help one another through this time. So thank you for being here. Thank you for taking us up on the offer. Uh, thank you for Good Friday, the service on Good Friday we shared with you guys last, uh, last April. Uh, that was such a joy and boost to our congregation. We've never had a Good Friday like that before. And it was such a wonderful time. Um, you lit a fire in us and reignited a sense of hope. And we're so, so grateful for that. So God bless you. May he keep you. May he cause his face to shine upon you. May he bless you and give you his peace. He is with you, he is with you, he is with you. And in the world, you and I, yeah, we're going to have trouble. But take heart. He has overcome the world. And in him, we have peace. Amen. Kevin, why don't you stay up there? Thank you so much. Mm. I am, um, yes, <clears throat> let's appreciate him. I, I know he has he's, you know, spoken a, a benediction over us, but I'd love for him to pray for us mm -hmm. specifically. Uh, those words take heart. Um, in Afrikaans, my first language, there's the saying, it says, which is directly translated, is, is when there's real support, it's like a rope under your heart. I don't know how else to explain it. It's like, you know, it's like you're being girded. Is that a word? Mm -hmm. um, supported. So when there's like friends or uh, or, or you know somebody that stands with you, and, and I've got other Afrikaans people here. Am I explaining it co correctly? You know, it's just it's like mm, you just you know it's encouragement, and that's what Jesus was saying to his disciples: take heart. And you know, God is in the business of changing hearts, and so you know, for many of us, there's uh, you know the first step might be, what is this? stone beating in my chest. Jesus has an answer for that. He can take a heart of stone 
this, the, the new covenant promises that he turns it into hearts of flesh, soft hearts that can sense and feel and, and, and respond to God. And, and maybe that's your, your prayer. It's like, Lord, this heart, this hardened heart of mine, only you can soften it. I don't want to be, as one theologian said, when the Son of God shines, I don't want my heart to harden like clay. I want it to melt mm. in His presence. Maybe that's the first. But for, for some of you, it's like, oh, I've just been focused on the trouble. And I've not heard Jesus say, hey, in me you'll have peace. Take heart. And so, so I want you to take heart. Mm. I, I, I want the Holy Spirit to, in this moment, to be a rimonri heart, if I can use Afrikaans. <laughs> He's here to do that. And, and mm. uh, you know, if you don't mind, just praying for our community and whichever category you're in, that we would all in this moment obey Jesus. Obey Him, because we're His followers. That's what disciples, if He says take heart, we say, yes, Lord. Mm-hmm. Let's take heart. Will you pray for us? Sure. Yeah. I have this. Oh, you have Yeah. <laughs> Dean hasn't turned me off yet, so. <laughs> Father, we, um, we read in your word that the world doesn't know you and doesn't know Jesus. We know that that is true. We also know, Lord, that that uh, is sad. We know that you are doing something about that. Every generation, every person born is meant to know you, is meant to live in relationship with you and with our fellow human beings. We know that what you have created is good and is meant for good. And we know that you are in the business of returning what you have made and all whom you have made to good in you through Jesus. We know these things to be true. And so, Lord, we praise you. We praise you for who you are and what you've done. We thank you for the church that you have raised up in all of its various tribal names and forms. All who follow you, Jesus, all who proclaim your name, we are brothers and sisters. And I pray, Father, for a new season of unity, of cooperation, and of growing love between the churches. That we would be reminded that we are one church. We are one body. And that what we have in common and what unites us is greater than what our differences are and what makes us divide. Lord, our peace is in you. So we turn to you. Be the peace in your church, I pray. And Father, I pray that you would bless your people at City Gates. I pray that you would bless this church. I pray that for those who've heard these words, just as Pastor Vic has said, Lord, and are are turned in one direction or another, I pray that your Holy Spirit would be an encourager to them, a comforter to them, that he would guide them into the truth of how you want them to hear and apply these words. Father, whether it is, it is the healing of a heart or whether it is the receiving of encouragement and, and greater courage in, in our faith, whatever is needed, Holy Spirit, you can provide. You are the transformer. 
As they say in Alpha, what you touch, you change. So would you touch us? Would you touch every person in this room? Would you touch any, uh, all of those who are, are watching or listening online or will hear these words afterwards? Would you continue, Lord, to, to massage these words into our, into our spirits deeply in the days and in the weeks ahead? Would you give us courage in the face of our changing world? And Lord, would you fill our hearts with our story, the gospel, the good news of Jesus. Would you help us, Lord, to sing it out and shout it out and share it with all who cross our paths, who are lonely and wayward and broken and searching and hungry. Give us great sensitivity to those around us, wherever they may be, that we might discern whom you are calling, who you are leading. So, Lord, I, I just bless... You know, Vic and Tanya and their family, and I bless this church. I bless them, Lord, for, for the work that they're doing in our community at the Waypoint and, and in all of the things that they are doing. Would you bring great fruit, fruit that remains through their service and sacrifice and yieldedness to you? And Lord, would you bless them in this house? Would you prosper them in this house? Would you cause them to increase and not decrease? Lord, and would you give them great joy in your house of prayer. Thank you, Father. I pray all of these things in the name of Jesus. Amen.